0: Hey, and welcome to part four of our series called Homecoming. For a very long time now, we've been tracking Jesus, going on his journey all the way to Jerusalem, and finally he's arrived. That's why we're calling it Homecoming. Now, the reason why Jerusalem is so important is because in the middle of Jerusalem is the temple, and the temple is like the headquarters of God. They believe that God's presence dwells in the temple. Now, last week's sermon, Jesus entered the walls of the city Jerusalem. Today, he's entering into the temple that's in Jerusalem. Now, we're only looking at four verses today, but each verse is packed with meaning. So let's get started right now. Chapter 19, verse 45. When Jesus entered the temple courts, he began to drive out those who were selling. So what is the temple court? When you enter into the temple, there's different courtyards. The first courtyard is called the courtyard of Gentiles. Now, the people who oversaw the temple grounds, well, they were the religious leaders. And these religious leaders, they believed that the people who would enter into God's presence was a very small select group of people who were the most pure people they could ever think of. And because of that they believed that people who are not Jewish had to stay on the outside and therefore they created this courtyard called the Court of Gentiles. That is where Jesus is entering in right now. Now as Jesus walks into the Court of Gentiles, he notices that people are selling stuff. Now scholars believe that the things that these people were selling were basically things that these Gentiles could use to worship God. In other words, you have to pay an admission fee. You have to have money in order to worship God from the outside. So Jesus seeing all this, he decides to drive them out. So the question is, why did Jesus drive out these sellers? I mean, the word drive out here that Luke uses is the same Greek word that Luke used to talk about Jesus driving out demons from people. I mean, Jesus really wanted these sellers out of the temple. I mean, was it the way that they were selling it that Jesus was angry with? Was it the thing that they were selling that Jesus was angry with? Why did Jesus want them out so bad? Well, there's several clues in the next verse. So let's take a look at verse 46. It is written, he said to them, meaning he's about to quote some Old Testament passages, my house will be a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of robbers. So right here, Jesus quotes two verses. And for us to understand what Jesus is really talking about here, we have to look at those two verses in its context. You see, in the Jewish culture, there's this thing called remez. A Ramez is a technique that Jewish rabbis used back then to to use one verse out of the Old Testament, but he wasn't referring to just that one verse, he's actually referring to the entire idea of where that verse is found. So here's an example from today's culture. If I were to say Han shot first, for you, especially you Star Wars fans, a lot of things come to mind. One of the first things that come to my mind is that they're at the cantina, Han Solo's there, Greedo's there, and they're both sitting down, they're talking about business. Now, some of you guys know that there's this big debate, because in the original release of the movie, Han shot Greedo first, but in the re-release of the movie, George Lucas made it so that Greedo shot first, Han Solo got out of the way and shot him back. For those of you who grew up with the original trilogy, you really don't like that change, because that scene showed you that, that what kind of person Han Solo was. And the, the changes that George Lucas made makes him look a little softer, which he didn't appreciate. And so you're always saying, Han shot first, Han shot first. But then there's a whole other side to it where the other side is debating, No, George Lucas is the creator of this story, so he's free to do whatever he wants. But do you see how that one line that I quoted spurs on a bunch of emotions, a bunch of feelings, and the whole narrative that goes with it? That's a remez, and Jesus uses remezes all the time. And here, Jesus quotes two verses from the Old Testament, and each one has a whole story and culture and feeling and emotion attached to it. So for those people who are sitting there listening to Jesus say these things at the temple, their hearts are just flooding with emotions. So let's take a look at the first part, which is, My house will be a house of prayer. That's from Isaiah chapter 56. So let's turn there. I'll start reading from verse 6. and foreigners. "...who bind themselves to the Lord to minister to Him, to love the name of the Lord, and to be His servants, all who keep the Sabbath without desecrating it, and who hold fast to my covenant, these I will bring to my holy mountain and give them joy in my house of prayer." There's the phrase right there, house of prayer. "...their burnt offerings and sacrifices will be accepted on my altar, for my house will be called a house of prayer for all nations." So when Jesus is standing there telling people about how this house was supposed to be a house of prayer, people's minds are immediately teleported to Isaiah chapter 56. And what does it say here in chapter 56? It says that this temple is built not for one group of people. He's saying people from far, far away, foreigners are going to show up and they're going to come together with the Jews and they're going to worship God together. So you can imagine Jesus walking into the court of Gentiles. He's looking around and seeing the segregation. He sees that there's the Jews over there, and there's the foreigners over here, and the foreigners aren't allowed to go over there. And so he says, guys, this house is a house of prayer. He's saying, guys, this isn't how the temple was meant to be used. It was supposed to be a place where people of different races will come together to worship God. But instead, you're using it to segregate. I can't believe what you did to my father's house. Hey, now that we know what the first remez is talking about, let's move over to the second remez, which is, you made my father's house into a den of robbers. That's referring back to Jeremiah chapter seven. So let's let's go there. It says this, will you steal and murder, commit adultery and perjury, burn incense to Baal and follow Other gods you have not known, and then come and stand before me in this house which bears my name and say, We are safe, safe to do all these detestable things? Has this house which bears my name become a den of robbers to you? There is the word right there. But I have been watching, declares the Lord. In case you're not familiar with the phrase den of robbers, back in those days, when a bunch of robbers goes out and steals something, just so they could avoid getting caught, they would run into a cave and they will hide there. And that cave was called the den of robbers. Okay, let's go back to Luke chapter 19 and understand what Jesus is saying here. First, he says, this place was supposed to be a place where people of different races could mingle together. Then he says, because of this quarter Gentiles, because you're trying to make money off these people who want to really mingle with you guys, but you're not letting them because you're charging them extra money, what you're doing is bad, it's unjust. And like a bunch of robbers that are hiding in a cave, you have retreated into this temple so that you could hide from justice. You're cloaking yourself in this religious system so people can't call you out for the wrong things you're doing. So in this one sentence with two rameses, he's basically making this one point. This temple was supposed to have a purpose of bringing people together, but now it's no longer serving that purpose. Jesus being God came home to the temple but then realized that his home is no longer his home. It's too corrupt. It doesn't represent what he stands for anymore. So, what does Jesus do in response? Verse 47, Every day he was teaching at the temple, but the chief priests, the teachers of the law, and the leaders, these three are called together, they're called the Sanhedrin, the Sanhedrin were trying to kill Jesus. Jesus is now finally bringing justice to the corrupt powers of the temple. And they don't want that. And so they want to get rid of Jesus. Yet they could not find any way to do it because all the people hung on his words. Okay, this is really, really cool. You see, the original purpose of the temple was to bring all people together. Here, Jesus enters into the temple, the corrupt system, right? And he starts teaching. And here in the last verse, it says that all people hung on to his word. Within this big, corrupt religious system, Jesus comes in there, he starts teaching, and starts to fulfill the original purpose of the temple, which is to bring people, all people, together. But for those of you who read through the Bible, you know that this is a temporary solution. Eventually, the Sanhedrin, they catch Jesus, and they succeed at killing him. Basically, the people who didn't act and look and talk like these people in the Sanhedrin, they were pushed out of the temple, and so they couldn't come and worship God. So what did God do about that? Well, this is a really cool part, and this is the really good news of this story. God decided to bring the temple to them. You see, this is the really good news. It says that we, you and I, the church, the Christians, we are now the temple of God. So wherever we go, we're bringing the temple with us. And what was the original purpose of the temple? It was to bring all people together. So if we as Christians are going into the world and creating division, we are also like the corrupt temple that Jesus is trying to cast out. But wherever we go in our conversations, with our interactions, if we're bringing people together, then we are fulfilling the original purpose of the temple. Hey, I know that in this political season, there's a lot of divisiveness that's happening in our country. You see, if Jesus came here today and He talked to you, and you started describing to him how you treat people who you disagree with, people who have a different political affiliation than you do, would he be angry with you in the same way that he was angry with the sellers at the temple? Or would he look at you and said, I'm so glad that the purpose of the temple is still living through you. Look, if you call yourself a follower of Jesus, that means that the Spirit of God is inside of you. And the Spirit of God that's inside of you is supposed to strengthen you and give you supernatural powers to have conversations with people that eventually unites people together. In other words, wherever you go, you're bringing heaven with you. With every interaction you have, a little bit of heaven, a little bit of what God intended the world to look like is supposed to pop up. This is why there is no room for racism in the kingdom of God. We don't show favor to one race over another because that would mean that we are not being the temple. If we think less of one race than another race, then you are not part of the kingdom of God. Now, if that sounds a little harsh to you, consider this. There are many verses in the New Testament about Jesus, and there aren't that many verses where we see Jesus actually angry. But in this specific story, we see Jesus furious. In the other biographies of Jesus, we see Jesus flipping tables when he sees this happening. When his people, when you and I, are not treating other people that brings unity in the diversity, Jesus gets furious. This is why this is such an important lesson for all of us. So church, may we all go into the world as God's original intended purpose for the temple and unite the world where there's division. And may we also be enraged by the same things that enrages Jesus, which is racism. And through our interactions with the world, may we experience heaven together. God bless.